0: Hello, we're reading today 1 Kings chapter 3. Here we go. Solomon made an alliance with Pharaoh, the king of Egypt, and he took Pharaoh's daughter and brought her into David's city until he had finished building his own house, Yahweh's house, and the wall around Jerusalem. However, the people sacrificed in the high places because there was not yet a house built for Yahweh's name. Solomon loved Yahweh walking in the statutes of David his father, except that he sacrificed and burned incense in the high places. The king went to Gibeon to sacrifice there, for that was a great high place. Solomon offered a thousand burnt offerings on that altar. In Gibeon, Yahweh appeared to Solomon in a dream by night, and God said, Ask for what I should give you. Solomon said, You have shown to your servant David my father great loving kindness, because he walked before you in truth in righteousness and in uprightness of heart with you. You have kept him for this great loving kindness, that you have given him a son to sit on his throne as it is today. Now, Yahweh my God, you have made your servant king instead of David my father. I am just a little child, I don't know how to come out or go in. Your servant is among your people which you have chosen, a great people that can't be numbered or counted for multitude. Give your servant, therefore, an understanding heart to judge your people, that I may discern between good and evil, for who is able to judge this great people of yours? The request pleased the Lord that Solomon asked this thing. God said to him, Because you have asked this thing, and have not asked for yourself long life, nor have you asked for riches for yourself, nor have you asked for the life of your enemies, but have asked for yourself understanding to discern justice, behold, I have done according to your word, Behold, I have given you a wise and understanding heart, so that there has been no one like you before you, and after you none will arise like you. I have also given you that which you have not asked, both riches and honour, so that there will not be anyone among the kings like you for all your days. If you will walk in my ways to keep my statutes and commandments as your father David walked, then I will lengthen your days. Solomon awoke, and behold, it was a dream. Then he came to Jerusalem, and stood before the ark of Yahweh's covenant, and offered up burnt offerings, offered peace offerings, and made a feast for all his servants. Then two women who were prostitutes came to the king and stood before him. The one woman said, O my Lord, I and this woman dwell in one house. I delivered a child with her in the house. The third day after I delivered, this woman delivered also. We were together. There was no stranger in the house with us, just us two in the house." This woman's child died in the night because she lay on it. She arose at midnight and took my son from beside me while your servant slept and laid it in her bosom and laid her dead child in my bosom. When I arose in the morning to nurse my child, behold, it was dead. But when I had looked at it in the morning, behold, it was not my son, which I bore. The other woman said, no, but the living one is my son and the dead one is your son. The first one said, No, but the dead one is your son, and the living one is my son. And they argued like this before the king. Then the king says, One says, This is my son who lives, and your son is dead. And the other says, No, but your son is the dead one, and my son is the living one. The king said, Get me a sword. So they brought a sword before the king. The king said, Divide the living child in two, and give half to the one and half to the other. Then the woman, whose the, chi- who's the living child was, spoke to the king, for her heart yearned over her son, and she said, O oh my lord, give her the living child, and in no way kill him. But the other said, He shall be neither mine nor yours, divide him. Then the king answered, Give her the living child, and definitely do not kill him, for she is the mother. All Israel heard of the judgment which the king had judged, and they feared the king, for they saw that the wisdom of God was in him to do justice. It's a great chapter of the Bible, this one. <laughs> Such a wonderful story. And you see in this in the Sunday school story pictures of, you know, the, the officer in King Solomon's court holding up a baby by the heels, you know, with a sword in the other hand. <laughs> Such wonderful illustrations. The chapter starts with Solomon marrying Pharaoh's daughter. He made an alliance with Pharaoh. Now, you, you will or maybe you won't be aware, but by this point, King David conquered the whole area of the Levant, including a number of surrounding countries, Edom, Ammon, Moab, the Philistines, further up north, Aram. He conquered all these and he had a mini empire. And um, But down in Egypt, there's a bit of an empire there too, you know, the Egyptian empire. And by making an alliance with these two empires, they've got a huge amount of control over traffic routes and commerce and transportation. And it turns out to be economically a super smart move. Now we can debate whether it was a a spiritually a smart move, because the Lord had always said, you know, things like "Don't trust in Egypt," "Don't go back to Egypt," "Don't be like the Egyptians." So making an alliance with Egypt may not have been such a spiritually smart move, but economically it was was really smart, and it resulted in, uh, you know, a great deal of uh, wealth for both countries. Now, so he marries Pharaoh's daughter. No one's able to exactly pin down the name of the Pharaoh or the name of the Pharaoh's daughter. Part of the problem here is that um, no one, the daughters of Pharaohs weren't generally all that well-known, but there are several options for Pharaoh. <laughs> and the one that's most likely to be the Pharaoh of the time is the II. So he was Pharaoh, in the date range, and so was his father. These two were pharaohs in the date range of when Solomon was the king. And um, I, I don't know enough about Egyptology to, to say for sure, but um, it's, it's good as a, good a guess as any, and you can go look it up. Uh, I think it's the 21st dynasty of Egypt, I looked it up, and it's interesting to read about these pharaohs. Now it's said that at that point, because there was no temple, people were sacrificing in the high places now in the law the old testament law people weren't supposed to sacrifice any old place they were supposed to come to the place that god had chosen which is where the tabernacle was now the tabernacle had been you know basically more or less the system of tabernacle worship was destroyed at shiloh the ark had gone into the land of the philistines that the ark had come back to jerusalem david brought it there and put it into a different tent but the tabernacle itself was now somewhere else with no ark of the Yod covenant So it's a bit of a schmozzle as exactly to where the place was and I think that's why God overlooks what Solomon does because so many other places in the the Old Testament when people would sacrifice in the high places, you know, on hills and trees and God didn't like that. He always wanted them to go to the place he had chosen but he seemed to be kind and gracious to Solomon when Solomon didn't go to the place because there really wasn't other place to go. You know, the Ark of the Covenant was... In David's tent but there wasn't really a place there for sacrifices the place with the tabernacle was elsewhere where you could do sacrifices but there was no Ark of the Covenant so it was a bit of a uh, a mixture but Solomon goes to Gibeon the most high place he offers a thousand sacrifices to God we don't know if it's a literal thousand or if it's like a round number or but sometimes thousand just means such a big number that can't really be counted so it could have been Um, around about a thousand or exactly a thousand or just a number way more than a thousand it could have been any of those but either way the Lord appears to him in a dream and the Lord says ask for whatever you want now this is so interesting to me because it's all happening in a dream and um, some people have these things called lucid dreams and I've had lucid dreams and I don't know what your experience is, but lucid dreaming is where you're aware that you're in the dream, but you're also able to make choice. You know, despite knowing you're in the dream, you're aware of what's going on, and you're kind of involved in it. And here we've got Solomon having a whole conversation with God in his dream, but it's just like the real thing. Um, He's You know, it's like as if God was really there with him and he's actually having a conversation with God, but he wakes up in the morning and it had all been a dream. Now, I find that interesting for two, I find the whole thing fascinating for two reasons other than the fact that it was a lucid dream. In dreams, often um, you act in a way that's kind of like outside your control. So for example, sometimes people have, um, I don't know, let's say a rude dream and um, they wake up in the morning and they feel bad because this dream has happened and they feel a bit violated, but, um, but you know, it, it was almost like it was outside their control. And um, if you ever have a dream like that, it's dreams like that are a message. They're showing you things in your heart that you need to clean out. And the Lord is so gracious in giving you or allowing you to have dreams like that because it shows you whole areas you need to pray into and um, i had a dream that was like that once it was potentially going to become a rude dream but in the dream i said lord i don't want this and the whole dream changed and it never went like that and i woke up in the morning and i was so astounded that i'd been able to resist temptation and pray and all of that actually in my dream and it was incredible well that's the type of thing we've got here with solomon's dream except for god comes to him in his dream and solomon has enough ability to think, and, and he, it shows, shows us what's naturally in his heart. It's a little bit like um, sometimes you meet elderly people, and you know their whole life they've been watching their behavior, but they, be, they develop dementia or Alzheimer's, and they turn into a different person, and it's like the real them comes out. And um, so it's like while you're watching your behavior, you can be good, but, and we all want to be good and put our, put our best foot forward, but it's like the real them appears. And in the dream, it's like the real you appears. And what's so fascinating here is that the real Solomon appears. Solomon really wants wisdom. You know, if you were asked, um, what do you want? Most people would naturally want certain things like wealth, or you know, um, they'd want to get rid of their stress, or you know, they'd want all sorts of things. That would be their natural response. But if they thought about it, they would say, oh, I probably should have wisdom. You see, that's a thought-through response. Because what Solomon gives here is a natural response. He naturally wants wisdom, and so the Lord gives him that and gives him everything else. So as a child, you know, knowing this story, I always said to my dad and other people, i see, if the Lord ever asks me, I'm going to say wisdom. You see, but that was a thought-through response. And the reason I would answer that, the reason I would have said that It's because what I really wanted was the other things. And I knew that if I get wisdom, I'll get the other things too. So what I was really wanting was the things I naturally wanted that were not wisdom. But I could see from this story that if you get wisdom, you'll get those things. (laughs) And I think a lot of people are like that. They don't actually want wisdom naturally. But they want it because they've thought about it and realized they should. So... We learn all these things here, and I think it's so fascinating, and so Solomon is given great wisdom. And in the New Testament, the writer James tells us in James 1.5, if any of you lacks wisdom, you should ask God, and he will give to you generously without finding fault. So wisdom is one of those things that we don't wait for God to say, what do you want? (laughs) We go to the Lord and say, Lord, I need wisdom. And Solomon needed wisdom because He had to govern an entire country. In his prayer, he says, I'm just a child. He actually wasn't a child, but he was saying to the Lord, I'm just like a child. I I don't know what to do. I I need you so much. I need your help. So he had humility uh, along with a natural realization that I I need to be wiser for this job. I need your help. I need to, to know how to think. I need, Lord, to be able to judge with justice. So the Lord was really, really pleased with that. Now, what most Christians don't realize is that the Lord makes the same offer to us all. In the New Testament, he says that we can ask anything in his name and it will be done for us. So we have a very similar request from, uh, you know, the Lord says to us through the words of Jesus that we have anything available to us if we would ask. And um, I think that what we need to do is we need to, to come to the place where we naturally want to be wise. We naturally want wisdom and understanding. And so we start by saying, Lord, help me to love wisdom. You know, in the Proverbs it says, love wisdom, <laughs> love understanding, get it though it cost you all. So those are the words of Solomon showing how important it really is. And then the chapter finishes with this story of the two prostitutes and the baby, just to demonstrate that the Lord really heard his prayer. And I'll tell you what, if you ask the Lord for wisdom, And you might not find that it's an instantly answered prayer, but you will grow into it. And there'll come a point where you look back and say, you know what? I don't know when exactly I got this wisdom, but I've got it. And it's something you should continue to pray. And um, it's something that I certainly pray for regularly too. Heavenly Father, I ask that you would give us wisdom, just like you gave to Solomon. I pray that you give us a love for wisdom, that it would become natural and something that's native to us, not something that's forced or contrived or we feel is the right response. So Heavenly Father, fill us with a love for wisdom, which is, of course, a love for Christ. So give us more of Christ, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.